Chapter Seven of the Holy War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joy Chan. The Holy War by John Bunyan. Chapter Seven. Well, I told you before how the prisoners were entertained by the noble Prince Emmanuel, and how they behaved themselves before him and how he sent them away to their home with pipe and table going before them. And now you must think that those of the town that had all this while waited to hear of their death could not but be exercised with sadness of mind and with thoughts that pricked like thorns. Nor could their thoughts be kept to any one point. The wind blew with them all this while at great uncertainties. Yea, their hearts were like a balance that had been disquieted with a shaking hand. But at last as they with many a long look looked over the wall of Mansoul, they thought that they saw some returning to the town, and thought again, Who should they be, too? Who should they be? At last they discerned that they were the prisoners. But can you imagine how their hearts were surprised with wonder, especially when they perceived also in that equipage, and with what honour they were sent home? They went down to the camp in black, but they came back to the town in white. They went down to the camp in ropes. They came back in chains of gold. They went down to the camp with their feet in fetters, but came back with their steps enlarged under them. They went also to the camp looking for death, but they came back from thence with insurance of life. They went down to the camp with heavy hearts, but came back again with pipe and table playing before them. So as soon as they were come to Eygate, the poor and tottering town of Mansoul adventured to give a shout, and they gave such a shout as made the captains in the prince's army leap at the sound thereof. Alas for them, poor hearts! Who could blame them, since their dead friends were come to life again? For it was to them as life from the dead to see the ancients of the town of Mansoul shine in such splendour. They looked for nothing but the axe and the block, but behold, joy and gladness, comfort and consolation, and such melodious notes attending them that was sufficient to make a sick man well. So when they came up, they saluted each other with, Welcome, welcome, and blessed be he that has spared you. They added also, We see it is well with you, but how must it go with the town of Mansoul? And will it go well with the town of Mansoul? said they. Then answered them the recorder and my lord mayor, Oh, tidings, glad tidings, good tidings of good and of great joy to poor man's soul. Then they gave another shout that made the earth to ring again. After this, they inquired yet more particularly how things went in the camp and what message they had from Emmanuel to the town. So they told them all passages that had happened to them at the camp and everything that the prince did to them. This made Mansoul wonder at the wisdom and grace of the Prince Emmanuel. Then they told them what they had received at his hands for the whole town of Mansoul, and the recorder delivered it in these words. Pardon, pardon, pardon for Mansoul, and this shall Mansoul know to-morrow. Then he commanded, and they went and summoned Mansoul to meet together in the market-place to-morrow, then to hear their general pardon read. But who can think what a turn, what a change, what an alteration this hint of things did make in the countenance of the town of Mansoul? 
No man of man's soul could sleep that night for joy. In every house there was joy and music, singing and making merry. Telling and hearing of man's soul's happiness was then all that man's soul had to do. And this was the burden of all their song. Oh, more of this at the rising of the sun, more of this to-morrow. Who thought yesterday, one would say, that this day would have been such a day to us? And who thought that saw our prisoners go down in irons, that they would have returned in chains of gold? Yea, they that judged themselves as they went to be judged of their judge, were by his mouth acquitted, not for that they were innocent, but of the prince's mercy, and sent home with pipe and table. But is this the common custom of princes? Do they use to show such kind of favours to traitors? No, this is only peculiar to Shaddai, and unto Emmanuel his son. Now morning drew on apace, wherefore the Lord Mayor, the Lord Wilbywill, and Mr. Recorder, came down to the market-place at the time that the prince had appointed, where the townsfolk were waiting for them. And when they came, they came in that attire and in that glory that the prince had put them into the day before, and the street was lightened with their glory. So the mayor, recorder, and my lord Wilbywill drew down to Mouthgate, which was at the lower end of the market-place, because that of old time was the place where they used to read public matters. Thither, therefore, they came in their robes, and their tabrets went before them. Now the eagerness of the people to know the full of the matter was great. Then the recorder stood up upon his feet, and, first beckoning with his hand for silence, he read out with a loud voice the pardon. But when he came to these words, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, pardoning iniquity, transgressions, and sins, and to them all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven, etc. They could not forbear leaping for joy. For this you must know, that there was conjoined here with every man's name in man's soul. Also the seals of the pardon made a brave show. When the recorder had made an end of reading the pardon, the townsmen ran up upon the walls of the town, and leapt and skipped thereon for joy, and bowed themselves seven times with their faces towards Emmanuel's pavilion, and shouted out aloud for joy, and said, Let Emmanuel live for ever. Then order was given to the young men in Mansoul that they should ring the bells for joy. So the bells did ring, and the people sing, and the music go in every house in Mansoul. When the prince had sent home the three prisoners of Mansoul with joy and pipe and table, he commanded his captains, with all the field officers and soldiers throughout his army, to be ready in that morning that the recorder should read the pardon in Mansoul to do his further pleasure. So the morning, as I have showed, being come, just as the recorder had made an end of reading the pardon, Emmanuel commanded that all the trumpets in the camp should sound, that the colours should be displayed, half of them upon Mount Gracious, and half of them upon Mount Justice. He commanded also that all the captains should show themselves in all their harness, and that the soldiers should shout for joy. Nor was Captain Credence, though in the castle, silent in such a day, but he from the top of the hold showed himself with sound of trumpet to Mansoul and to the prince's camp. Thus have I showed you the manner and way that Emmanuel took to recover the town of Mansoul from under the hand and power of the tyrant Diabolus. Now when the prince had completed these, the outward ceremonies of his joy, 
he again commanded that his captains and soldiers should show unto Mansoul some feats of war. So they presently addressed themselves to this work. But, oh, with what agility, nimbleness, dexterity, and bravery did these military men discover their skill in feats of war to the now-gazing town of Mansoul! They marched, they countermarched, they opened to the right and left, they divided and subdivided, they closed, they wheeled, made good their front and rear with their right and left wings, and twenty things more with that aptness, and then were all as they were again, that they took, yea, ravished the hearts that were in man's soul to behold it. But add to this, the handling of their arms, the managing of their weapons of war, were marvellously taking to man's soul and me. When this action was over, the whole town of Mansoul came out as one man to the prince in the camp to thank him, and praise him for his abundant favour, and to beg that it would please his grace to come unto Mansoul with his men, and there to take up their quarters for ever. And this they did in most humble manner, bowing themselves seven times to the ground before him. Then said he, All peace be to you. So the town came nigh and touched with the hand the toy of his golden sceptre, and they said, Oh, that the Prince Emmanuel with his captains and men of war would dwell in man's soul for ever, and that his battering rams and slings might be lodged in her for the use and service of the prince, and for the help and strength of man's soul. For, said they, we have room for thee, we have room for thy men, we have also room for thy weapons of war, and a place to make a magazine for thy carriages. Do it, Emmanuel, and thou shalt be king and captain in man's soul for ever. Yea, govern thou also according to all the desire of thy soul, and make thou governors and princes under thee of thy captains and men of war, and we will become thy servants, and thy laws shall be our direction. They added moreover and prayed his majesty to consider thereof, for, said they, if now, after all this grace bestowed upon us, thy miserable town of Mansoul thou shouldst withdraw, thou and thy captains, from us, the town of Mansoul will die. Yea, said they, our blessed Emmanuel, if thou shouldst depart from us now, now thou hast done so much good for us, and showed so much mercy unto us, what will follow but that our joy will be as if it had not been, and our enemies will a second time come upon us with more rage than at the first? Wherefore we beseech thee, O thou the desire of our eyes, and the strength and life of our poor town, accept of this motion that now we have made unto our Lord, and come and dwell in the midst of us, and let us be thy people. Besides, Lord, we do not know but that to this day many Dibylonians may be yet lurking in the town of Mansoul, and they will betray us, when thou shalt leave us, into the hand of Diabolus again. And who knows what designs, plots, or contrivances have passed betwixt them about these things already? Loath we are to fall again into his horrible hands. Wherefore let it please thee to accept of our palace for thy place of residence, and of the houses of the best men in our town, for the reception of thy soldiers and their furniture. Then said the prince, If I come to your town, will you suffer me further to prosecute that which is in mine heart against mine enemies and yours? Yea, will you help me in such undertakings? They answered, We know not what we shall do. We did not think once that we should have been such traitors to Shaddai as we have proved to be. 
What then shall we say to our Lord? Let him put no trust in his saints. Let the prince dwell in our castle, and make of our town a garrison. Let him set his noble captains and his warlike soldiers over us. Yea, let him conquer us with his love, and overcome us with his grace. And then surely shall he be but with us, and help us, as he was and did that morning that our pardon was read unto us. We shall comply with this our Lord, and with his ways, and fall in with his word against the mighty. One word more thy servants have done, and in this will trouble our Lord no more. We know not the depth of the wisdom of thee, our Prince. Who could have thought, that had been ruled by his reason, that so much sweet as we do now enjoy should have come out of those bitter trials wherewith we were tried at the first? But, Lord, let light go before, and let love come after. Yea, take us by the hand, and lead us by thy counsels. And let this always abide upon us, that all things shall be for the best for thy servants, and come to our man's soul, and do as it pleaseth thee. O oh, Lord, come to our man's soul, do what thou wilt, so thou keepest us from sinning, and makest us serviceable to thy majesty. Then said the prince to the town of Mansoul again, Go, return to your houses in peace. I will willingly in this comply with your desires. I will remove my royal pavilion. I will draw up my forces before Eygate to-morrow, and so will march forwards into the town of Mansoul. I will possess myself of your castle of Mansoul, and will set my soldiers over you. Yea, I will yet do things in Mansoul that cannot be paralleled in any nation, country, or kingdom under heaven. Then did the men of Mansoul give a shout, and returned unto their houses in peace. They also told to their kindred and friends the good that Emmanuel had promised to Mansoul. And to-morrow, said they, he will march into our town, and take up his dwelling, he and his men, in Mansoul. Then went out the inhabitants of the town of Mansoul with haste to the green trees and to the meadows, to gather bows and flowers, therewith to strew the streets against their prince, the son of Shaddai, should come. They also made garlands and other fine works to betoken how joyful they were, and should be, to receive their Emmanuel into Mansoul. Yea, they strewed the street quite from Eye-gate to the castle-gate, the place where the prince should be. They also prepared for his coming what music the town of Mansoul could afford, that they might play before him to the palace, his habitation. So at the time appointed he makes his approach to Mansoul, and the gates were set open for him. There also the ancients and the elders of Mansoul met him to salute him with a thousand welcomes. Then he arose and entered Mansoul, he and all his servants. The elders of Mansoul did also go dancing before him, till he came to the castle gates. And this was the manner of his going up thither. He was clad in his golden armour, he rode in his royal chariot, the trumpets sounded about him, the colours were displayed. His ten thousands went up at his feet, and the elders of Mansoul danced before him. And now were the walls of the famous town of Mansoul filled with the tramplings of the inhabitants thereof, who went up thither to view the approach of the blessed prince and his royal army. Also the casements, windows, balconies, and tops of the houses were all now filled with persons of all sorts, to behold how their town was to be filled with good. 
Now when he was come so far into the town as to the recorder's house, he commanded that one should go to Captain Credence, to know whether the castle of Mansoll was prepared to entertain his royal presence, for the preparation of that was left to that captain, and word was brought that it was. Then was Captain Credence commanded also to come forth with his power to meet the prince, the which was, as he had commanded, done, and he conducted him into the castle. This done, the prince that night did lodge in the castle with his mighty captains and men of war, to the joy of the town of Mansoul. Now the next care of the townsfolk was, how the captains and soldiers of the prince's army should be quartered among them, and the care was not how they should shut their hands of them, but how they should fill their houses with them, for every man in Mansoul now had that esteem of Emmanuel and his men, that nothing grieved them more than because they were not enlarged enough, every one of them, to receive the whole army of the prince. Yea, they counted it their glory to be waiting upon them, and would in those days run at their bidding like lackeys. At last they came to this result. 1. That Captain Innocency should quarter at Mr. Reason's. 2. That Captain Patience should quarter at Mr. Mind's. This Mr. Mind was formerly the Lord Wilbywill's clerk in time of the late rebellion. 3. It was ordered that Captain Charity should quarter at Mr. Affection's house. 4. That Captain Goodhope should quarter at my Lord Mayor's. Now for the house of the recorder, himself desired, because his house was next to the castle, and because from him it was ordered by the prince that, if need be, the alarm should be given to Mansoul. It was, I say, desired by him that Captain Boanerges and Captain Conviction should take up their quarters with him even they and all their men. 5. As for Captain Judgment and Captain Execution, my Lord Wilbywill took them and their men to him, because he was to rule under the prince for the good of the town of Mansoul now, as he had before under the tyrant Diabolus for the hurt and damage thereof. 6. And throughout the rest of the town were quartered Emmanuel's forces, but Captain Credence with his men abode still in the castle. So the prince, his captains, and his soldiers were lodged in the town of Mansoul. Now the ancients and elders of the town of Mansoul thought that they never should have enough of the prince Emmanuel. His person, his actions, his words and behaviour were so pleasing, so taking, so desirable to them. Wherefore they prayed him that though the castle of Mansoul was his place of residence, and they desired that he might dwell there for ever, yet that he would often visit the streets, houses, and people of Mansoul. For, said they, dread sovereign, thy presence, thy looks, thy smiles, thy words are the life and strength and sinews of the town of Mansoul. Besides this, they craved that they might have, without difficulty or interruption, continual access unto him. So for that very purpose he commanded that the gates should stand open, that they might there see the manner of his doings, the fortifications of the place, and the royal mansion-house of the prince. When he spake, they all stopped their mouths and gave audience, and when he walked, it was their delight to imitate him in his goings. Now upon a time Emmanuel made a feast for the town of Mansoul, and upon the feasting day the townsfolk were come to the castle to partake of his banquet, and he feasted them with all manner of outlandish food, food that grew not in the fields of Mansoul, nor in all the whole kingdom of the universe. It was food that came from his father's court. 
and so there was dish after dish set before them, and they were commanded freely to eat. But still, when a fresh dish was set before them, they would whisperingly say to each other, What is it? For they wist not what to call it. They drank also of the water that was made wine, and were very merry with him. There was music also all the while at the table, and man did eat angels' food, and had honey given him out of the rock. So Mansoul did eat the food that was peculiar to the court. Yea, they had now thereof to the full. I must not forget to tell you that as at this table there were musicians, so they were not those of the country, nor yet of the town of Mansoul, but they were the masters of the songs that were sung at the court of Shaddai. Now after the feast was over, Emmanuel was for entertaining the town of Mansoul with some curious riddles or secrets drawn up by his father's secretary by the skill and wisdom of Shaddai. The like to these there is not in any kingdom. These riddles were made upon the king Shaddai himself, and upon Emmanuel his son, and upon his wars and doings with Mansoul. Emmanuel also expounded unto them some of those riddles himself. But, oh, how they were lightened! They saw what they never saw. They could not have thought that such rarities could have been couched in so few and such ordinary words. I told you before whom these riddles did concern, and as they were opened, the people did evidently see it was so. Yea, they did gather that the things themselves were a kind of a portraiture, and that of Emmanuel himself. For when they read in the scheme where the riddles were writ, and looked in the face of the prince, things looked so like the one to the other, that Mansoul could not forbear but say, This is the lamb, this is the sacrifice, this is the rock, this is the red cow, this is the door, and this is the way, with a great many other things more. And thus he dismissed the town of Mansoul. But can you imagine how the people of the corporation were taken with this entertainment? Oh, they were transported with joy, they were drowned with wonderment, while they saw and understood, and considered what their Emmanuel entertained them withal, and what mysteries he opened to them. And when they were at home in their houses, and in their most retired places, they could not but sing of him and of his actions. Yea, so taken were the townsmen now with their prince, that they would sing of him in their sleep. Now it was in the heart of Prince Emmanuel to new-model the town of Mansoul, and to put it into such a condition as might be most pleasing to him, and that might best stand with the profit and security of the now flourishing town of Mansoul. He provided also against insurrections at home, and invasions from abroad. Such love had he for the famous town of Mansoul. Wherefore he first of all commanded that the great slings that were brought from his father's court, when he came to the war of Mansoul, should be mounted, some upon the battlements of the castle, some upon the towers, for there were towers in the town of Mansoul, towers new-built by Emmanuel since he came hither. There was also an instrument invented by Emmanuel that was to throw stones from the castle of Mansoul out at Mouthgate, an instrument that could not be resisted, nor that would miss of execution. Wherefore, for the wonderful exploits that it did when used, it went without a name, and it was committed to the care of, and to be managed by, the brave captain, the Captain Credence, in case of war. This done, Emmanuel called the Lord Will-be-Will to him, and gave him in commandment to take care of the gates, the wall, and towers in Mansoul. 
Also the prince gave him the militia into his hand, and a special charge to withstand all insurrections and tumults that might be made in man's soul against the peace of our lord the king, and the peace and tranquillity of the town of man's soul. He also gave him in commission that if he found any of the Diabolonians lurking in any corner of the famous town of Mansoul, he should forthwith apprehend them, and stay with them, or commit them to safe custody, that they may be proceeded against according to the law. Then he called unto him the Lord Understanding, who was the old Lord Mayor, he that was put out of place when Diabolus took the town, and put him into his former office again and it became his place for his lifetime. He bid him also that he should build him a palace near Eygate, and that he should build it in fashion like a tower for defence. He bid him also that he should read in the revelation of mysteries all the days of his life, that he might know how to perform his office aright. He also made Mr. Knowledge the recorder, not of contempt to old Mr. Conscience, who had been recorder before, but for that it was in his princely mind to confer upon Mr. Conscience another employ, of which he told the old gentleman he should know more hereafter. Then he commanded that the image of Diabolus should be taken down from the place where it was set up, and that they should destroy it utterly, beating it into powder, and casting it into the wind without the town wall, and that the image of Shaddai, his father, should be set up again with his own upon the castle gates and that it should be more fairly drawn than ever, forasmuch as both his father and himself were come to man's soul in more grace and mercy than heretofore. He would also that his name should be fairly engraven upon the front of the town, and that it should be done in the best of gold, for the honour of the town of man's soul. After this was done, Emmanuel gave out a commandment that those three great Dibelonians should be apprehended, namely, the two late Lord Mayors, to wit, Mr. Incredulity, Mr. Lustings, and Mr. Forgetgood, the recorder. Besides these, there were some of them that Diabolus made burgesses and aldermen in Mansoul. They were committed to ward by the hand of the now valiant and now right noble, the brave Lord Wilbywill. And these were their names, Alderman Atheism, Alderman Hard Heart, and Alderman False Peace. The burgesses were Mr. No Truth, Mr. Pitiless, Mr. Haughty, with the like. These were committed to close custody, and the jailer's name was Mr. True Man. This true man was one of those that Emmanuel brought with him from his father's court, when at the first he made a war upon Diabolus in the town of Mansoul. After this the prince gave a charge that the three strongholds that, at the command of Diabolus, the Diabolonians built in Mansoul, should be demolished and utterly pulled down of which holds in their names with their captains and governors you read a little before. But this was long in doing, because of the largeness of the places, and because the stones, the timber, the iron, and all the rubbish was to be carried without the town. When this was done, the prince gave order that the Lord Mayor and Alderman of Mansoul should call a court of judicature for the trial and execution of the Dubbolonians in the corporation now under the charge of Mr. True Man, the jailer. End of chapter 7